kids Come join us at the corner Of the round table So, Oracle, um, here we are this time of year again. Um, Caulfield Cup. What a fucking – what a race. It's a good race. This is one of the strongest Caulfield Cups I think I can remember, like in recent memory. Um, just going through the field today, I think there was only like five horses that I looked at, watched replays and all that, that I could literally put a pen through. And the others I gave a sneaky chance to. Like there's a couple of odds there that are in their 40s that I wouldn't be leaving out of quarties if – if you if you like to go for a bit of value, it's so strong, isn't it? Like yeah, the locals, the internationals, everyone is is going to bring it. And the thing is, everyone has a different opinion. Like you go look at all the pros, like the guys on Get On, um, Just Horse Racing, Best Bets. All of them have a different opinion. It's that's the best thing about this race, and it being a handicap, obviously, it's it's just it's great to see everyone come at different angles. Yeah, a, a lot of them tipping Gold Trip, are they? Um, there's a few tipping gold trip. There's some tipping without a fight. A lot of, I'm getting a lot, I'm reading a lot about West Wind Blows. There's a lot of people tipping it. Solcom's kind of, uh, everyone was kind of talking it up probably towards the, after its last run, but then it's kind of like dulled off. And then you've got other horses in there, like the, the obviously the internationals like break up the Japanese horse, Valiant King from Ireland. So yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of people tipping different things. Yeah, I can't wait. It looks fantastic. I um, haven't quite landed on something myself yet, so maybe you can sway me later. That's what I thought. I reckon with the one I've got that we'll be backing or what I'll be backing, I think it'll sway you just with the form lines that, that I've found with it. Okay, lovely. Now, do you want to give us a weekend in review for last weekend? Yeah, so it was a shit-ass weekend for me on the punt, and I spent 30 and a half units and returned eight, so it's probably my worst weekend oh. I've had in a long time i was very lucky that i had a few lay bets on a couple of favorites there at caulfield and and at ranwick that kind of kept me from having a full strip out so that was a good thing yeah um so i'll just touch on those major races and see because i think there'll be a few horses going places um after these because i don't think there were a lot of jet i think there are more stepping stones and not necessarily grand finals so I thought the Might and Power was an interesting race, one won by Alligator Blood. So Deny Knowledge set an absolute brutal tempo. I think it was something like 24 lengths above benchmark. So they were absolutely hooking throughout yeah, the race. fucked it, didn't it? Yeah, it really did cook the race. Um, I thought Alligator Blood was just awesome. He was perfectly positioned by Tim Clark and, and made the most of that. Um, my concern for him is just because it was such a brutally run race, is he going to be a bit flat after that run? And yes, he ran out the 2,000 metres and proved me wrong. But I think the race shape and where he was positioned in run kind of benefited him. So if you look at the horses running on, like Dewayas, for example, she was right out the back and she was just eating up ground off him late. Um, Val and Declare was flattered in that result. Like everyone's going, oh, he's back, he's back, he's back for um, the Melbourne Cup. But mm. that's the kind of tempo that he likes. He doesn't have a turn of foot. He just likes to sit and barrel along there and just and and go at that with a with a fast pace and then just fine had weirdly had a lot of market support late i think it started favorite and then it was just flat after that metro run which was a fast run race so yeah um i don't think there's much to take out of the race i think duas is heading on the right track she's going to the cox plate now and i think damien oliver's been booked for her in the cox plate yeah okay i don't like her there no me neither so I think she'll be better suited to Flemington. Whether or not the two mile might see her out, I don't know. She's had a bit of a weird prep. Um, King Charles, now Fangirl was just enormous. Some of those figures that she put up were just amazing. It was given an absolute peach by um, J-Mac. How she got where she the, – the horse that she is, she's usually a get-back run on horse. And how J-Mac had her sitting um, fifth – on the rails, just cut along there. And the way he hit that gap and just accelerated past Mr. Brightside, who a lot of people, including myself, thought was the best miler in the country. But she obviously put that statement to bed. She exploded. Um, 
she yeah. absolutely exploded. That turn she of was foot in... was incredible. But she and it... she's always been really good. I mean, Anima oh. was just a freak, though. Really, exactly. And and now, if you look at it, you go back through the figures. J Mac has ridden her four times for four wins, so she just grows in leg when when he jumps on. And obviously, we know she got K Max last time and just got too far out of the run, but. J-Mac just showed that she's pretty versatile and she can actually sit a little bit handier and run. So I think heading towards a Cox Plate's really interesting. I'm not sure who's going to ride her now that Nash has been suspended. Um, I guess we'll wait and see what Chris Waller puts out. Um, I thought Mr. Bright... Hey, who's J-Mac going to ride in that? He's got Romantic Warrior. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'd probably um, rather thought... be on Fangirl, to be honest, if I was him. Uh, let's wait and see because I think I think um, he was been he's been doing really well apparently all reports out of Romantic Warrior and he seems to handle the the Moody Valley track which is a good thing so let's wait and see yeah. but obviously he likes the horse so he's he's got an opinion he's the best jockey in Australia so he can have ha- any picking of any horse really yeah, yeah. I won't be back at right side I thought was good but if you go back and watch the race he didn't he never looked like he was really settled in run. Like he always looked a bit awkward in that. He still obviously finished second, and there was quite a decent gap back to to the majority of the field. And thought it was good. Maybe it was um, a bit of a tough a, run. You reckon? Maybe it was a tough run. Maybe it was the firm deck because he'd been racing on soft ground down there in Melbourne. Maybe it was just suddenly going the Sydney way of going after having three runs down on the Melbourne way. I don't know, but I think he's still heading towards the Cox, and I still think from all reports that he's he's come out of that run really well, like the bets and. And the stewards' report didn't reveal any abnormalities. And again, he still finished second, so we can't be judging him off such a bad run. No. How easy? Um, how my, much easier is it to lay a horse than it is to back one to win? Oh, it is. It really is. And that was why I was I was really lucky on the weekend that I actually got something back out of it, simply for just picking a horse that was too short and in odds, and you just back against it. Do you have to outlay a fair bit with Betfair to lay them? <laughs> It depends on the odds. So a great way to think of it, you've always got to outlay your liability. So hypothetically saying, if a horse is $3 and you want to lay it at $3, then your liability is, if you want to lay it for $100, then your liability is 300 to win 100 Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone, someone's wanting $3 odds, you're offering them that, but you're going to win back their stake. Yeah, okay. So you essentially get $2 odds every time you lay a horse. You're just you're playing the money. bookie, really. Yeah, exactly. So I've been – I played, like, quite a few lays on horses that usually around the $2 mark or even under $2. Like, I think you guys I – I did one on Wednesday for you guys at that panic, you know, that race there. I think it was – where was it? Oh, it was in New South Wales. Remember we were doing it, and I laid that horse at a dollar ninety because I didn't think it would win. So I end up my liability was only ninety dollars, um, one hundred and ninety dollars, and my yeah. win was going to be two hundred. Gotcha. So my yeah. my lay was actually better. Yeah. So you usually don't lay, and you usually don't lay horses. Why well, don't at high odds just because my sheer um, liability is just going to be too large. I think I need to get on that bet fair and start laying. Maybe start my um, bookie career because. I can lay a horse, but I cannot back a winner. Well, I can I can show you. When we do our little derby day thing down there at the Ivory, I can show you how to do it. Yeah, fantastic. That'd be good. Yes, that's pretty easy. Um, back to Brightside. I thought he, I think he's heading towards the Cox. I don't think there's any issues with him. Um, my Oberon, I did say on the pod that I thought the horse was going really well. Um, I thought he was a great chance down in Sydney in that handy, um, the, um, the Turak. But obviously he stayed up here and he had an enormous run. I think if he gets, say, a soft or heavy going in either the Crystal Mile on Cox Plate Day or the Champions Mile there on the last Saturday of this um, Flemington Carnival, I think he's going to be a really good chance. And the other run that I think I told you boys was Kovalika. I thought he was absolutely enormous. And if you go back and look at some of the sectional data, he actually copped only very marginally better sectionals there, six six to the four, four to the two, and two to the post, I think very similar to that of what Fangirl did. So I was hoping he'd probably step up towards the Cox Plate going up in trip because I think 2,000 metres is probably his pet trip, but his confirmation is he's going to the Golden Eagle and they're probably going to use that 
four-year-old age and, and go to a race that he'll never be able to race in again. And Tommy Berry's been booked. So I think in a big field, high-pressure race, I think as long as he's within striking distance and he hasn't drawn too far out where he has to go back, I think he's a ripping chance in that Golden Eagle. And I think particularly given the the question marks over Amelia's jewel. And I know that the stable reports say she's back to her best eating and all that kind of stuff, but I certainly think she's vulnerable. And a horse like Kovalika, who's putting up fangirl numbers, would suggest that he's going to be a very hard to beat in that race. Who else is going to be in that? Um, a couple of those horses out of the Silvery, like Vienna Princess, um, Pericles. Um, I don't think Benedetta's heading down that road. Um, who's the other one there? Straight Acer, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be quite an interesting race. Like, there's some really good horses, but then there's some not-so-good horses. So, oh, Hawaii 5 I think, maybe going there. Yeah. And then Attrition, who won the two-rack there, is going there most likely. And then I don't know many others there. Hey, this is a bit wild, but I would have loved to have seen them just go, you know what, fuck it, and thrown, think about it, into the Cox Plate. Yeah, I've heard reports. Well, he's by, he's by so you think. I know. That's what I mean. He's just, is- he's just so much like him, too. Like, not like racing pattern, but just the fucking engine on him. Like, he just, doesn't, uh, nothing can get past him. No, and he's just got such that will to win. He just wants to stick his head out. Yeah. I- he, well, that's a great segue. Because we're going to talk the Everest. Because he's just a tough horse. And what I love about him is how versatile he is. So you go back and look at his all of his race starts. He's sat back in run. He's sat off speed in run. He's led in run. He's done it all. He's just he's just bulletproof, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. I I love him. He's probably my favourite horse at the moment. Because I was I was such a big fan of his dad. And yeah, uh, I think it's just a weapon, wasn't he? Yeah, he was so good. That run of his in that Melbourne Cup. Um, after, what did he win? The Cox and bloody... Did he win the Caulfield as well that year? No, so there's... I don't think any... I think there's one horse who's won all three in the same year. It was in like 1954 or something like that. Yeah. He, but I remember him... I can't remember. He, he I remember him winning the Cox and then I took him to the Cup and um, the run, just straight to like two miles, the run was fucking enormous. Yeah, he was such a good horse. He ran second or third, yeah. I can't remember, to the, like that American, I'm pretty sure. Oh, was that that year? Yeah, it was just, I just couldn't believe, I was on him because I was his biggest fan. And um, yeah, I just couldn't believe the run he put in, going to, going to the two mile after winning the Cox. It's always, you know how you always have those horses that will always stay in your mind? Yeah. Yeah, Doremus was mine. Yeah, yeah, Doremus, yeah. I had Great him. horse. Him too. We spoke about him last year, but yeah, he so you think's one of mine for sure. Very elegant will be too. Yeah, he's a, she was so good. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's oh man, fuck, I would have loved to have seen them do something crazy like that. With thinking, yeah. About but what what, what else did you take out of that Everest? Um, I thought the top three were, were awesome. They were great, and they ran as expected. Now, barrier one wasn't really a hindrance there. For I wish I win. I thought Luke Nolan, although I have a lot of. Um, I'm quite critical of him as a jockey normally. I thought his ride was really good. I just thought, think about it, was better. And Private Eye was obviously finishing very, very fast like he always does. I don't think um, um, I don't think I wish I win beats. Think about it as, like, if they both get the same run, I don't think I wish I win gets past him. I, he's just like, too tough. He's, yeah, he, just, he just won't let him get past him. He doesn't, no. he doesn't, like, peak on his run. He just keeps powering through. Yeah, um, and the thing is, it's weird with him. When you look at his figures, like, he doesn't peak. He just has this steady improvement. Yeah. It's it's really crazy. Like, he's, he's a really interesting horse, and he doesn't win by big margins, but he just is just strong. He's just beaten the best sprinters in the world. I think he's been elevated into the top 10 best horses in, in the world. I think he's ranked... He's obviously clearly best in Australia, but I think he's just made it into the top ten, maybe ninth. Yeah. Off that run there in the Everest. He should be uh, too. Are they going to push him out to further? Th- I think they will eventually. I think Joe Pride wanted to obviously – the owner – one of the owners was interviewed. I listened to a podcast with one of the owners, and he originally was wanting to head towards the Cox Plate this year. 
and then he got he got kind of alphaed out of it and then they went to the Everest. So he had a big futures ticket on him and obviously yeah. it's just confetti now. But judging by the fact that he was wanting to take him to Cox Plate, one would suggest they probably might try and push him out next year and see. Because yeah, I think what, what, whatever Joe Pride wants to do with him, I think he could train him. It's easy because he's Definitely. got the engine. He's yeah. got he's got the stamina. Like, he's a good horse. Yeah, I reckon he'll win at Cox Plate. I... Um... I, I saw uh, Barnes knows a bloke that's mates with one of the owners um, and apparently they were all really confident like, yeah. um, with him winning this Everest and that's the trainer. Like even um, the jockey after the race, like he even said how – yeah, he even – I don't know if you saw the interview, but he said, yeah, I've um, – I, I, like he was like, I knew he'd win this. I, I was really confident. He's like, I just, uh, you know, obviously couldn't say that. But he's it's like, great. they all knew. It's great for Clippo because he just doesn't get the big rides because the Sydney jockeys are just so competitive. Yeah. It's good to see him win a big one because I've always rated Clippo. I thought he was good. I've always thought he was a good jockey. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, how much is that race worth again? Uh, 20 million. And I think, I can't remember what that goes to the, the winner, but it's something ridiculous. Dear God. Yeah, that is amazing. Just, yeah. It's it's a ridiculous race. Well, it's the world. I think it's the world's richest sprint. It's the second richest race in the world behind one of the Dubai races. I think it is. Mm. So yeah, just work it out for you. So Everest, you know, what do you reckon? Just have a wild stab and dark. to the winner. Yeah, fourteen million. So nineteen million seven hundred fifty thousand for the total prize money, yeah. and then seven million to first, two point nine to second, two to third, one point five to fourth, one point two to fifth, nine hundred and fifty for sixth, and then seven hundred thousand for every other place. What seven hundred thousand yeah. if you just run? If you run last, yeah, you get seven hundred k. Holy fuck! You win your money back. What does it cost that to enter them? Because you got the five hundred thousand dollar slot that you're going to pay for. So then, essentially, the slot owner and the owners or the connections would share in two hundred k. But Holy it's, shit. it's free money, really, when you think about it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So in terms of the race, though, I thought top three were awesome. I thought In Secret was enormous as well, given where she drew in the barrier. And I think heading towards that kind of champion sprint, she might give Imperatriz a bit of a, a shake, even though I don't think she will, but she might. I thought Cylinder was gifted that run. I think there's been a huge overreaction with him now being installed as favourite for the Cool Mall. Hawaii five I think needs to step up to fourteen hundred. Bonus not just was good. He he ran on gamely, but I don't think he ever threatened. Shinzo is very overrated, and there's no chance he's going to win a Coolmore. Overpass was weirdly poor, and then I thought alcohol free was just un. It did get checked in this straight, but it was never going to win. Yeah. So Coolmore is where Imperatriz is going. Um. No, she's going to the Champion Sprint. Coolmore's the three-year-old stud-making one with King's Gambit, um, Stretton Angel, I Am Unstoppable, and all those guys. Yeah, that would have been a crazy race if she was in it too. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's that. Um, then we have the Caulfield Guineas. I thought Militarise was beaten by the track pattern. I think he just dropped too far back. He didn't get handy enough in running. He ran on really gamely. I thought his last 200 metres was really good. And I think he heads now to a Cox Plate carrying 49.5 kilo with Zach Lloyd booked. Um, I thought Steppity, I think 1,400 metre might be the it's pet, um, the horse's pet trip. I thought 1,600 metres sorted out because I think it had the run of the race and it just didn't run on. Griff was great. Elite ride from Mellum, judged the pace perfectly and kicked away. Um, V8 bounced back and it, he was really good. I can see why they didn't bother protesting because I think the margin was too great for it to even, I think it would have just been thrown out by the stewards. Yep. King Colorado had every chance. And I think if you are looking for a horse heading towards a derby or a vase in a couple of weeks time, Mooney Valley, Vidad, I thought it was enormous. And I think she likes good, but I thought Vidad was better. Okay. Um, the Turak Millie's Jewel. Um, I think 
they found there was no real excuses for her poor run. I think she was maybe flattened by that Mooney Valley run that was set by that brutal pace from Prince of uh, Prada Jenny. Um, Trisha and Antino were huge considering the track pattern. Banker's Choice is a moral anywhere if it goes up to 2,000 metres as long as it's not the Cox Plate. Amenable bounced back really well. Um, the Inevitable needs to draw a gate and sit handier. Simple as that. And I think you can forgive here to shock after he was um, interfered with in the straight. Yeah. So horses to follow quickly. We'll just do Vidad heading towards a vase and potentially a derby considering his breeding. I think Banker's Choice to any sort of country cup over 2,000 metres. I thought Airman was enormous in the um, Sydney Stakes. So he was stepping up from a BM80 uh, um, to weight for aid. So he jumped up five kilos and up in grade, and he was just awesome. IME was very given by a peach from J-Mac. I still think the horse sucks. Um, Bella was huge in that race, um, but I think he's a, he's a really good one to follow as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you want to touch on something, Randwick? It's not the best meeting. No, it's not. I'll, I'll touch on it quickly, but there's there's maybe two, two, maybe three bets I'll have here, so I'll just touch on those quickly. Yeah. So the rail's out at five metres there at Randwick. There's no rain predicted, so I'm expecting it to be fast like it's been the last few weeks. Um, it's obviously because of the firm ground, fast ground, it's favouring those probably up in run because you you just can't run on at that speed. Um, there's no feature race. You've got the Five Diamonds Prelude, which is, I think, a listed race. So outside of that, there's not much. But um, so the first thing I want to look at, there's a horse called Commemorative in race five. So it was enormous on debut, winning a two-year-old maiden by about five lengths at Canterbury. Now, she's a monster of a horse. She's got to have the barrier extension on, so she's really big striding. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen any reports of where James... Uh, James Cummings is sending her, but if she goes down the Coolmore into the Coolmore route, I think she'd be a really good chance. So I think she's around the $11 mark. So if you think she's going to win this race, then have a little bit on her, just a little bit because there's no confirmation of it, of her heading down that way. Um, the speed map obviously has Kazu leading with Rainbill and Iconic Dame just sitting behind. And then you've probably got, I'm not sure where commemorative gets from the wide barrier, but with the 52 kilos and being a huge horse, I think she'll be fine. So 52, that's the horse. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm not going to be taking $2 about a horse that's just won a maiden as a two-year-old, but I do like her trials, and I think she's a good horse to watch. Yeah, um, okay. Race six, this is a this is probably the, the best race of the day outside of the, the prelude there at Randwick. Um, I really like Duel. Now, I put Duel in the Black Book after last run, um, obviously it didn't beat a great deal there, but I, the horse was carrying the top weight there and it battled on really nicely after taking up the running. So I think the horse obviously gets the claim there of Je, um, Jet Stanley. It is also nom for one of the sprints down there at Caulfield. So let's just see where Annabelle Neesham goes with it. Um, so you go back and look at it like he's he was really good first up and you'll probably look at his second up record and be like, oh, it's not that great. But then I dug a little bit deeper and looked into those two runs that he had second up. The first one was a 1.8 length fourth behind Giga Kick, Bornis Notches and Cannonball who went over to Royal Ascot. And the other one was behind She's All Class in the boat and he actually beat home Lombardo who was a group one winner at that time. So I think those the, it's skewed with that that um second up record now i'm not discounting obviously smashing eagle i just think the horse is interesting that tyler schiller's jumped off it to to ride jettabeel and brett brett preble's riding shit ass but also the racing pattern of smashing eagle is so bad it just drops out the back um dashing legend obviously has come up from the uh victoria i'm pretty sure and oh maybe not but it's transferred to Joe Pride. I know that because I, its colours are different. Either way, I think um, Duel's a really good chance in this race if he opts for that race. If not, don't have a bet. Okay. Uh, now we touch on race, uh, the Five Diamonds Field, race eight. So this is obviously, um, the Five Diamonds is a five-year-old race over 1,800 metres there at Rose Hill. I think it's worth about $3 million or thereabouts. So it's a really good race. Um, I've quickly, I've got Zoom on leading this race from St. Lawrence, who's going to use the inside draw with Mississippi Prince rolling from the outside and setting probably a moderately moderate tempo. 
Now, I think there's only probably three winning chances in this, and one's kind of a bit rough just because I think the horse is probably going to appreciate further, and that's Faulkner Park. Now, he's first up after a freshen up. He had a lovely trial there at Warwick Farm on the 9th and 10th. He really trucked through the line. It was really nice. But the two horses that I think can win is Democracy Manifest and Kokiel. Yeah, okay. So Democracy Manifest was great in the Epsom, carrying the really light weight. Uh, now drops down in weight further. Um, sorry, drops uh, goes up in weight, sorry, but drops down in grade. It's drawn to go back, though. So that's the big concern I have with the way that the uh, my my I guess my predicted pattern there for Randwick. So that what gives me Cotiel, who was a black booker of ours from a couple of weeks ago. So the horse was ridiculous first up behind Cepheus in the Alan Brown. Um, he probably should have won that race if it wasn't for an absolute peach of a ride from Nash and this horse getting held up. So the market knew that it was going really well. So I think it was about $12 into $8. And it actually has a really good second up record and loves um probably loves this trip. Now, there's only one little minor concern I have is synthetic hoof fillers on, but I don't think it's going to be of concern, and I think that horse is going to be a bet for me come Saturday. Who had those hoof fillers on the weekend? That was a chance. Uh, uh, someone had bar plates on, um, Opal Ridge. That's right, yeah. Yeah, bar plates, and it, that was one of my lays, and I didn't end up winning, which was good. Um, now, quickly touch on race 10 because there's a horse that I think has abs- like has a really good ability, but I'm just worried about it going back from 1,400. So this is just a BM88 BM over 1,200, but I really like Sandstock. Now, we were on it. We've been on it. Well, I've been on it. I'm not sure if you guys backed me. Did you back it last start I in the tippy? I did, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's run two really good races, this prep. So we started off, picked off its prep over the 1350 there at Wyong in the listed Mona Lisa to go down by the barest of margins to Mirror View. It then went to the Group 3 Tibby over 1,400 metres and it was, again, really good. It was just beaten by a better horse in Banana Queen. So I think my concern for this horse is, one, coming back in trip from the 1,400 metres, although the trial that it had um, at Randwick over the 1045 was really good just recently. The barrier sucks, so I'm suspected that it's probably going to go back. Um, so that's why I'm probably a bit more hesitant to bet on this horse, but I do think it's a really good chance. If you're seeing horses run down the outside, then certainly think it's a great chance. Okay. So that's that's pretty much Randwick there. there. There wasn't much there that I really liked outside of Cotiel. So we'll touch on that. We'll probably touch a bit more deeply on, on Caulfield now if you want. Yeah, okay, let's go. All right, so Caulfield there. So there's minimal rain expected between now and Saturday. There might be a couple of showers, but that's probably a good thing for the track. Um, now, just take note on Wednesday, the rails were out 12 metres, and the horses were probably coming down, what, lane four, four to five in, in most of the running. Now, last Saturday, the rail was in the true, and they were pro- probably coming down the middle of the track. So one would suggest with the rail being out three metres, you're probably going to expect lanes four to five to be your best ground. Now, I do expect fair racing with with the way the track is. Now, we'll touch on race three. So this is the ethereal stakes. So this is one of those races in a lead up to the Oaks. Um, now, you can see here that there's a horse that you'll probably recognise there in Tropical Squall. Yes. The Tropical Squall won that flight stakes, which is the third leg of that Princess series. Yeah, yeah. So I know... On breeding, she'll probably get the trip of 2,000 metres eventually, being by prized icon, but I really don't like the horse in this race. Okay. So I think the, I think the horse will lead from barrier 12. I, like, I've got no issues with that. Um, I think you're going to get a bit more pressure there from some of the horses on the inside gates, like Grinzinger Bell and potentially Saxon Beauty probably kicking up from the inside draw as well. So I think there's going to be a little bit more pressure up the front. And I thought the horse was gifted the flight stake, excuse me, last start, just by the way the track was playing. So there's a couple of horses in here that I think can give it a real shake. Now, Autumn Angel comes out of the Griff race that was one of the stut stakes over the mile. Now, we know what Griff's gone on and done. It ended end up running in and winning the, the Caulfield Guineas. And then Vidad was in second, who I thought was a really, really good run also. So I think it brings really good Melbourne form lines coming into this race. Obviously, he's got Billy Egan on board by the Autumn Sun. So I'm not sure if their horse will probably appreciate 2,000 metres, but I think 1,800 metres. Um, I, think, I think it might run it out. 
Um, Connasana is a horse that I have in my black book. Now, I put it in the black book after its 1,800-metre run there at Flemington in a, just a three-year-old handicap that was won by Harlow Mist. I really like the way that the horse was heading towards um, the line. And the horse is by done deal. So we know that the further it gets out in trip, the more effective it will probably be. Now, you can probably go back and you'll see that um, it won there over the mile there at the Valley a couple of weeks ago with Wings of Song and Grinzinger Bell being quite close to it. But the horse was stepping back in trip. And I think it's going to be more suited better up to 2,000 metres. And I love the booking of D Lane there. Um, Wings of Song was was in that race there, like I said, behind Conasana, but I think it was benefited by the small field and the way the race panned out. So I think Conasana is a better horse than it moving forward. And then Grinzinger Bell, like I said, was um, sat outside the lead there that was taken up by Conasana. It ran on well, but again, small field, slow tempo. So I think it was more entitled to that. So I'm of the opinion that I'll probably likely lay Tropical Squall come Saturday. If the odds, if it stays around the $1.90 mark, I'll probably lay it. And I'm probably going to have a one by three on Connorsana because I think it's a really good uh, chance in the Oaks. Okay, nice. Um, okay, and then what was the other race we were going to touch on? We're at four. We're at four. No, we weren't going to touch on four. Let's have a look. So race three. No, we, I don't want to touch on four. Um, we got Lofty Strike resuming in race six. Um, yeah. Bunny. Not much else in that. Spacewalk, you think? Oh, Spacewalk with 53 kilos, yeah. Spacewalk's coming off a BM100. Didn't really beat much. It's a weird race. Um, I don't like the booking of the jockey on Lofty Strike. Oh, and God. Why would they do that? I know, I know. I wish they brought Froggy Newitt over because he knows the horse well, but... You look at look at Lofty Strike's record, brilliant first up record, loves Caulfield, loves good ground, has beaten Uncommon James, Asphora, Star Patrol, IME, King of Sparta. Like, that form line's great. It's much better than what this field is. Uh, ran second in a new market, beating home I Wish I Win, Private Eye, Bonus Notches, Front Page, Star Patrol, Bella Nipatina. Like, you're looking at this, like, I'm just, for three bucks, it's a good odds. Yeah. Um, had a really good jump out there at Cranbourne over the 800 metres. This is the fastest 800-metre um, trial of the day. It was won by a horse called Mornington Glory, I think it was. I think the horse was called. Um, if if Ollie wasn't on and Craig Ewell was on, I probably would have made this a bet. But with that, it probably won't end up being a bet. Yeah, true. I, the 59 kilos isn't ideal first up, but $3 with, those, with that form, like... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not for me. But I think I think it's the best horse in the race. And although it's conceding six kilos to the other horses, I don't think it's going to make a, much of a difference when you're, you're looking at it over the shorter trip. Yeah. You could kind of see it, them not really busting it up to win this race either, I guess, hey? Exactly. I think it's got bigger fists to fry. I think it's heading down that champion sprint route. So it's going to face in secret... Imperatrice, probably Bella Nipotina and a few others down there. Yeah. Now you will see obviously duels in this race with D on board lightweight. Yeah. So I'm just waiting to see because, like I said, I, I really like duel and particularly with seeing Michael D on board drawn inside gate and a huge drop in weight, I could be inclined to have a little um little bet on it in this race. But being a six horse field, I'm not I'm not super keen. Okay. Now, race seven, you want to touch on that? Yeah, so race seven, this is a good race. I, there's a lot of good angles here. So this is the group two Tristark. So um, I'll quickly touch on this race, and then we can go a bit more depth in the into the Caulfield Cup. So yeah. Seth Majik, really good horse. Um, obviously, it's got some, some form lines around, some really good ones, um, particularly being Star Patrol, Benedetta. Um, and then obviously it was only two lengths off in secret in a Coolmore stud stakes um, this time last year. So it's a really good horse, got great formers. I think judging by its run first up, I think it's going to appreciate stepping up to the 1,400 metres. And obviously Beg, Beg D is a great combination, drawn really nicely to sit just behind the speed. So I think it's right favourite in this race. Um, Scoo Whiff is the interesting horse. So it's it's a new it brings New Zealand form and really elite Sorry. New Zealand form. What's this? Big D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry, God. <laughs> All good. 
Um, so Sku Whip brings really good New Zealand form over the 1400 meters. It actually beat Dragon Leap, Legato, Callsign Mab, Sharp and Smart, and La Creek. Now the latter two, obviously, they're probably not going as well this prep as as they have in the past. But I certainly think Legato is a good horse, and so is Dragon Leap. So. Opie Bossom's come out to ride the one ride, which is interesting. And I thought the jump out that the horse had just recently was actually quite nice. Yeah, it was scratched in the uh, barriers. Who was it? What was the thing that ended up the favourite after he got scratched? Ended up winning easy. I don't remember now. Uh, What's annoying is because they never put down in any form guides or anything like that when horses are scratched. Yeah. And the reason why they were scratched, it really annoys me. Oh, I fucking had a bet on the thing that one. It was a favourite. I can't remember what it was. Where was it at? It was in Melbourne. It was... Um, Flem? I think it was Flemington, yeah. Was it the Life Lessons race? No, it wasn't Life Lessons. Was that the race? No, life. it wasn't Life Lessons that won it. It was... Um, fuck, it's another good horse. There's a favourite in it. Fuck, how can I go... It's annoying they don't put down which race it is, isn't it? 100%. Even if they just put a note saying scratch 7th of October, um, fractious in the barriers or injured jockey, just gives us a reason as to why. Because if a horse, if you see keep seeing a horse like repeatedly get scratched for barrier manners or not being loaded, then obviously that's going to turn people off betting on the horse and it gives us more information as, as a punter. Yeah. So I, I think they should be recording it, but they don't at the moment. I think you can you if money comes for that thing too, you'll know it's um you'll know it's gonna run well because I got a tip a few weeks ago from that stable. Yeah. Not directly from the trainer, but there's a guy that get can get mail from someone from that trainer. So they obviously talk about it. Yeah. So you think um I reckon you'll see if money comes for it, it's probably worth getting on. I love how you that's – that's my notes just here on the piece of paper. Tough mare's race, but if you see money come for skew whiff, better. Yeah. That's literally what I said because Waltz on bike is – that looks the only leader on paper and has the life lessons form, which has Amelia's dual form, and it beat home Princess Grace. The same can be said for Road to Arataki. Um, Call Die has magic time form and how good are you form, and then you've got Madame Pomery who's coming out of the Epsom, which – I think she got K-Max, so you can completely forgive that run. She now gets J-Mac, who last time was on her at Caulfield, won a Group 1 in the 1,000 guineas on a heavy 10, albeit. Um, so I'd, she probably wants it a bit wetter than what it is. But if I see any sort of market support or late late money for Scoo if I'll be having a bet. Yeah, same. So should we go to the Caulfield Cup? Let's do it. This is my most – I'm so pumped for this chat. All right, so the big the big $5 million Caulfield Cup, one of the big three in the, in the spring, $3 million to the winner. Um, brilliant race. I love it. I've always, I don't know, it's weird. I've always had a real fondness, although I've, like, obviously been very critical of the Caulfield Cup. I'm um, sorry, the Caulfield track. Yeah. The Caulfield Cup, for some reason, just always seems to draw me in. I just love it, just probably because of the handicap conditions of it. Um, I've had some really big wins on it. I know I backed... My biggest, I think my biggest ever win was incentivized. I had a really big futures ticket on it at um, 34 to 1. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's probably my favorite Caulfield Cup um, moment, but I've also loved seeing Martin Powell win it. That was a huge one on his way to the Melbourne Cup that year. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really good race. So, so what, what's happened uh, to incentivize? He's not going to race again. No, he's retired now. He never he never recovered from that injury he sustained in the oh, Melbourne Cup. What a shame. What a horse. Yeah, he was such a weapon. Like, such a beast. Cheap, too. Cheap. Queensland bred. Steve Tregay. Like, he it's was just... Wimba. And his story will go down in focal. Like, he, he literally went from winning a low-grade, like, handicap up here in Queensland to Caulfield Cup and... Caulfield Cup winner and Melbourne Cup favourite all in literally the space of 12 months, which is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. I would have loved to have seen him go round again. Yeah, same. But uh, he's enjoying retirement, hopefully. Oh, he would be out there for sure. Yeah. Um, um, all right. 
Yeah, so but let's I, crack I know them what you mean. Maps. I know what you mean. Oh, yeah, when sorry. You say, I know what you mean when you say it's um, it's just one of those races you can't help but love. I think it's like the how it can be a bit of a lead up to the cup, you know, like a lot of them that come out of it will end up racing in it. I think um, that makes it pretty special as well. Exactly. And it's weird. Like, like I love the Everest. Don't get me wrong, but I'm more, I get more excited about the Caulfield cup Cox plate in spring, probably because I'm a bit more of a racing traditionalist. I don't know, but this, like this race has got me so up and about, like I spent, probably 90 minutes going through replays and speed maps and, and looking into every single horse in this field, just because of this, when the Everest, I'd probably give you 20 minutes, half an hour on that race. If that. Yeah. So it's just way more exciting this race. And I think it's a little bit more, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It gets me up and about. I love it. Yeah. That's good. So, so I'll touch on the speed maps because I know I looked at racing and sports speed map. I looked at punters speed map. I looked at a few other speed maps and they all have saying different things. So some are saying we've got a really slow tempo. Some are we saying we've got a fast tempo. Some are saying we've got a moderate tempo. So how you've got to look at it is there's a couple of horses which will benefit very much from fast tempos and there'll be a couple of horses that will really benefit from slow tempo. So I'll mention those when we do the runner by runner. But in my speed map, I have Goldman from barrier 18 rolling across and leading with Spirit Ridge. So you go back and look at those guys. They were probably the the leaders in their last two runs. I've got West Wind Blows using the inside gate also kicking up. All right. And then you've kind of got um, Hu Yamal probably kicking up there with Tim Clark, Gaybot Horse. And you've probably got Break Up, the Japanese horse, sitting really close to the speed as well because – Going back and watching some of its replays, it really liked to kind of sit on like fast tempos and then because it doesn't really have a great turn of foot. So the likelihood is that it wants to sit up on speed and try and catch a break on them more than anything. Yeah, okay. Um, do you want to touch on market order? Do you want to touch on um, on let's go, runner number? Let's go runner number. All right. So first one, let's go with gold trip. So... You didn't need to be um, a racing expert to see how enormous his win there was in the Turnbull. It was just so funny that the trainers and the connections had no idea that he was going to produce that. And even Mark Zara said, wow, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Just blew them away. Yeah. So he was awesome in that race. You can't take that away from him. Now, there is some conjecture about whether he's still going to run in this Caulfield Cup because I know that Kieran Mars keeping a really close eye on the track. And if it doesn't kind of, I don't think he wants it too firm because we we know the horse's preferable ground is soft ground. So I don't think they want to kind of bust him up or cause any sort of um, foot soreness or or risk any lameness heading into the Melbourne Cup in a couple of weeks' time and the Cox Plate as well. So let's see what comes of it. Obviously, Mellon's booked as Zara's been was prior um, prior booked to to without a fight. Now, Bowman was also um, put on noticed to, to ride this race and they obviously opted for Mellum. Um obviously the horse is drawn really well. You can't question him now. He is top weight. He's carrying what three and a half kilos um more than the, the next uh heaviest horse or the next weight. Um I think he's a ripping chance and I'll be putting in top fours, but he's not my horse on top. Okay. Um without a fight. So number two there, fastest last two hundred meters of the underwood behind alligator blood there now obviously Sulkin was in that race was finishing off really nicely as was Dewayus. uh right you are obviously beat home so um without a fight non-conformist was there but probably the rest of the horses Val bow and declare was down in that run so but i like i said he was flattered last start and that um that was a huge, huge ho- run by without a fight last start i think it was more just a bad ride it was like we both sat back and said how did it drawn out wide, how did it end up on the rails and have yeah. it navigate traffic and rocket at home? Unbelievable. How did yeah. he fucking do that? Like, I honestly think it probably wins if he didn't put it on the rail. I think it'll be certainly fighting at the finish a lot closer to than, than two and a half lengths or 2.2 lengths off Alligator by that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the step up in trip from 1,800 metres to 2,400 metres is the only very slight um, concern I have, but you go back and watch his runs up here in Queensland. He went from 1,800 metres to the Q22 over 2,200 metres, and he did that quite easy. Um, obviously, Zara Sticks has drawn really nicely to sit a lot closer in run, um, and he prefers good decks. 
So I think he's a ripping chance in this race. Now, interesting to know that him and non-conformists were found to be lame this morning there by vets. So they'll be re-examined tomorrow morning and obviously just be cautious to see what happens. Now, Zara taking the ride on without a fight and not gold trip, is that because the potential scratching? No. So what happened was Friedman, Anthony and Sam Friedman gave Mark Zara until midnight on a particular night to commit to without a fight because he was always heading towards the Caulfield Cup. And with gold trip, he that was never in the initial plans. So he committed to without a fight off that. And then Gold Trip was obviously a late in um, late inclusion there um, after that Turnbull win, so that's why it's happened. So he'd committed already. Zara and Mel are good mates too. Wonder nah, if... the good good mates, yeah, exactly. So I wonder if Zara's telling him I'm not going to give t- give you any tips on how to ride that thing. <laughs> exactly. I would have preferred Zara because by by all reports, Gold Trip can be a bit quirky, and you've got to you've got to race him in a specific way to get the best out of him. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how Mellon goes on him, but we've got to remember that this isn't the grand final. He's top weight in this. He's got bigger fish to fry with the Melbourne cup and potentially the Cox plate as being his two GFs. Is there going to be enough intent from the camp? That's what I've got to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to back him and, and I, and it's probably going to hurt me because he's turning into one of those horses and I can't trip. stand, yeah, and I'm not, oh. and I'm probably gonna lame in this as well. And there's every You're gonna lame it, fucks me. lame at five bucks. Yeah, ballsy. I like that. <laughs> I'll, I, I will always have a little bet on Gold Trip, regardless of of the odds or the race. Yeah. Well, no, could, yeah. the horse owes me. The horse owes me nothing. I think both of my big wins, well, decent wins, have been on him at twenties. So. I'm I'm not going to let him get away with without my my cash on him. Yeah, different relationships. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so breakup. So the Japanese horse. Now we know Damien Lane has a really good affiliation with Japanese horses. Obviously, he won the Caulfield Cup there on Murder Glass, and then at the time she she wasn't the world's best horse, but she ended up being crowned world's best horse in Lee's Crusher. So. He knows the Japanese horses. He has a great relationship with the trainers over there and regularly does stints in Japan, and he's so well-loved over there. Now, the horse is interesting. So he loves the two he's, – he's an out-and-out stayer. So he anything over 2,400 metres, he's usually performed quite well in. So for 2,400-metre runs, he's had two starts for a win and a second. Um, he obviously is running to Equinox, who is the world's best racehorse by the length of the Flemington Strait 10 times over. He's a big, like I said, a roll forward horse, and he loves to barrel along at fast tempos because, like I said, he doesn't have a turn of foot. So if you notice that the tempo's quite slow, you might as well put a pen through him in run. Um, he brings a similar prep um, down down under to what Murder Glass did when it won the, the Caulfield Cup and by Radke um, as well, who both came here off Group 3 wins. Now, they've got... He's, I think, coming off a Group 2 win. And if you look, go back and look at the ratings that he's putting up. They're very similar to what West Wind Blows has put up over in Europe. Um, so, like I said, he's going to be – his chances are going to be dictated by the pace of the race because we know he's going to be up there in the first half of the field. It's just whether or not he's got enough zip in his legs, depending on the tempo, to match it with those horses with big turns of foot like Montefilia and without a fight. Do you think he's a chance, first up? 2400 yeah i'm not too stressed about him being not being fit or anything like that i think he'll be fine um it's just a matter of whether he's going Travel. to be out. yeah it's just yeah there's a few little things i think he'll drift in the market i don't think he'll stay around the 953 um third favorite yeah um montefilia um initially had um nash booked but now shin's obviously taken the booking after he got suspended um, huge figure there in the Hill Stakes there, um, winning that from Hu Yamal. Now, his figure, or sorry, her figure there in that Hill Stakes was actually better than Solcom's run in that Turnbull. Um, she needs a slowly run race, not a fast run race, because she's got that really good turn of foot. Um, from Barrier 9, she's got a really good map, so I think she can sit quite handy and run. 
And I think now as she's getting a little bit older, I think she's going to be suited up to about the 2,400 metres now. She's a little bit more down, but still has that kind of zip in her legs when when the sprint's on. Yeah, okay. I just, even though she's a last start winner, I just haven't, I haven't been that impressed with her this prep. I I know what you mean. I think last start was the only run where she's actually been really good. Yeah. And I just, uh, yeah, I I can't get around her at this point, to be honest. She's pretty short. But if you go back and and look at her last prep in the the Caulfield Cup there, the one that Durston won, she arguably should have run that, won that race with a bit more luck. Yeah. There's just a, there's just a few other things here at lightweight that I kind of prefer. Yeah. Um, I, I can understand that. But yeah, I think I'll be staying away from her too, to be honest. Yep. Cool. I um I think she's in the numbers for a first four, but I don't think she's gonna win it. Yeah. Yeah. The next um, one the next one I don't mind. Francisco Gardi, yeah. So I, I I can understand where your head's at with that. So now I think Francisco Gardi, like you go back and look at his his form guide and you've got a you got a duck egg and then you've got a fifth and a seventh. <laughs> now I don't think this horse, you're going to see the best of him until we get upwards of about the mile and a half, so 2,400 metres and beyond. I think he's a typical Waller stayer where he's just building into his prep. Whether or not he's going to be fully primed up, ready for this race or not, I'm not sure. Obviously, we know Melbourne Cup is his grand final. Now, he's a dead set stayer. He's going to appreciate a fast run race again, so similar to that of breakup. Um think he's going to be more suited on the softer deck so whether or not he's going to be effective um on the good deck is questionable now obviously he gets jmac which is a great thing interesting barrier because i'm not sure where he's going to sit and run with that like is he a horse that's going to go back because he's he's done that before or is he going to kind of roll forward from that wide barrier and kind of i don't know try and park up in that first six or so yeah i think the booking of jmac is interesting with Sulcum being the sort of favourite for Waller and Williams taking or getting that ride. I don't think J-Mac can ride 53 and a half. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, though, because I heard Waller say months ago when mm-hmm. um, Gardy was about to start its prep that uh, it was going to win the Caulfield Cup. And now yeah. Sulcum due to recent form, has become the favourite. And then I saw a chat about him talking about its chances. Like, it was better than Francesco Gardi, but I... Changes his mind all the time, doesn't he? Yeah, but I just just feel like him saying that months ago, that they're going for this. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, yeah. Makes sense. I'm, I'm interested in it at $17. Yeah, I, I I could not talk you out of Francisco Gardi either. Yeah, hasn't been hasn't been pushed like any of these runs this prep. Just been building, just chipping away. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna fucking stoke it up when it's when they turn the corner. I think. Yeah, I think it's got a good chance. Um, then you got West Wind Blows now, drawn really really nicely there. Has Jamie Spencer, which sucks for the horse. Um, it was a really sorry, my batteries is about to. I'm at ten percent. Some tough run, which was really good. So it's going to be great for its fitness levels. Now, how I, I went back and looked at a lot of his form lines a bit deeper. Now he's zero and four at two thousand four hundred meters. He's had a second and a third, but he's zero and four. Okay, is he a two thousand two two thousand two hundred meter horse? I don't know. So I was going to say to you, I like him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see where I, I know he heads up with that as well. It's Fifty-four kilos, so it drops two and a half kilos off last start. Um, I think he can get a good run too from that barrier. Can, I think he can get a good run just behind the speed as well. Um, he's he's another one who's going to be in the numbers there for a first four. Yeah. Um, nonconformist is a number, no chance. Not going as well as he as he has before in the past. Um, Sulcum, like I said, I think he's flying. We spoke about that. Obviously, he's got Williams, get some weight relief. He's been fantastic this whole prep. He's drawn really nicely. The problem with him and my concern with him is he's been missing the start. Now, this is a huge field. If he misses the start, he could end up right out the back or in the middle of traffic 
and then essentially that you can put a pen through him having a chance. Yeah, yep, for sure. Um, he so, was up in the favourites to win the Melbourne Cup too, wasn't he, in Futures? He is, yeah, and I think he still is up there. Um, I think I was put the writing on the wall when he won that race on Derby Day, the 2,400 metre. I can't remember what it was. Remember we made it a bet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, love the – obviously, Williams is a great booking, drawn well. I think, he, I think he might come out in the market, to be honest. I don't think he'll start around the 650. I think he'll start a bit longer. Yeah, I think so. Um, Duke DeSessa. Now, this is a good roughie in the race. Now, John Allen, obviously, he usually rides around the 54, 55 kilos at his absolute lowest. So the fact that he's getting down to 53 kilos to ride this horse is, is a good sign. Now, this horse is two from two at 2,400 metres. All right, so it loves the trip. I thought its run behind Gold Trip wasn't as bad as it looks on paper. Gets weight relief. Obviously, it's got form around um, – no, sorry, not form around. You'll probably prefer a soft or heavy dex, but it's got Ma Eustace written all over it, just stayer, and that's what's what they train really well. So I wouldn't be leaving him out of your first fours if you're having a play there. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, who your male, six-kilo weight drop from this the hill stakes behind Montefilia. Um the horse hasn't won at 2,400 metres, which is interesting. However, has form around some really good horses, some really good stayers there in the UK, in New London, Desert Crown, and Nation's Pride. I'm not sure about it. I think it's at the right price. I think it might be more of a 20s chance. Uh, it's drawn really nicely. Obviously, T. Clark, great rider of leaders. It's just whether or not they're going to get more pressure up the front from, uh, obviously, Breakup, um, Spirit Ridge, and uh, who's the other buddy, Goldman. Yeah, it was well in the market last year for the Melbourne Cup as well, that one. It was, exactly. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't – Um, it's not, not doing it for me. Yeah, I agree. So I don't like it. I think Right You Are has got no chance. Love the jockey. Don't like the, um, don't like the horse in this particular race. Um, I probably could say same about emissary. I just don't think the horse is going as well as it as it was last year. It was enormous in that obviously that Melbourne Cup. Um, the same could probably be set for Goldman. Now, obviously, I think the booking here of of Linda Meach is really interesting by um, by Gaybot. Now, the horse is in the Melbourne Cup, uh, but obviously Meach, great rider of leaders. So obviously, from Barrier Eighteen, I think that tells us exactly what they're going to do with the horse. But I just don't think he's going as well, and I think he's a rightly a, a seventy-one dollar shot. Yeah, I'm not going near Goldman. Yeah, I don't think he's a chance. Um, Akita Sushi. Now the horse has a wonderful record there over two thousand four hundred meters. So it's three starts for two wins and a second. Now it ran enormous um, at Royal Ascot um, uh, at its last start. Um, wants a high pressure race though. So he's another one that if you see a lot of horses rolling forward, he's going to be a great chance. Um, but what I do look at back at his form, he was beaten by Mr. Waterball, who flopped at the lightweight in the Metrop by 17 and a half lengths. Oh, wow. Voldemort and, booked. And Voldemort booked. 51 kilos. He can ride 51, Voldemort. Jeez. He can ride 50 wizard. kilos. He can ride 50 kilos, Voldemort. Oh, God. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, right. So uh, travel as well for that thing. I don't know. You're not, you're not liking that? No. Okay. No. What about fame? Fame, no chance. Longest odds in the race, fame, 150. Yeah. yeah. Same could be said for boy, boy star chance, just outclassed. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Spirit Ridge. Uh, love the horse. Really, really good horse as well. Um. I just think it's going to be flattened after that fast run race. As you can see, it's those fast run races seem to have a really negative effect on horses. The next step up, Amelia's Jewel, perfect example, just fine, perfect example. So I think the horse will lead, but I just I'm worried about how it's going. Yeah, and now the next two are emergencies. No, so Valiant King is my tip in the race, and. Uh... Uh, Okay. All right, now you're ready. I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you my little spill. Okay. 
All right. So you go back and look at this horse's form. Now it ran in a horse called the Bally Rowan. Now the Bally Rowan is a ballot exempt race there for the Melbourne Cup, and it was won by your mate Verborn. Ah, yes. All right. So this horse carried 56 and a half kilos and was only beaten by one and a half lengths in this race over the mile and a half. Okay. Yeah. Well, elite form. All right. Then go back a little bit deeper. The horse ran at Royal Ascot over the mile and a half and was only 0.2 of a length off Desert Hero, who was my tip for the Melbourne Cup before it was ruled out by William Haggis. Yes. All right. So I think he is a ripping chance. Yeah. 50 kilos, Jamie Carr on board. I know that she hasn't been racing in the best of form, but I just think if she can get it perked up and it gets the right run in race, like look at the odds of it. Yeah, how do we not bet on it? Exactly right. It's because considering that that form, which was our two picks for the Melbourne Cup, um I yeah. think that says enough, doesn't it? 100%. I'm looking at seven career starts, 14%. Only one, one out of four, but obviously racing an elite company over there. Exactly. It's racing. It's Verborn, who's out back for our Melbourne Cup. Desert Heroes is a great horse overseas. Like, it's got some, some ridiculous form lines when you look at it, and it's well-performed over the mile and a half. Yeah, very interesting. I really like it, 50 kilos. You're not going to yep. have to try very hard to talk me into this. Exactly, and then it's been bet with the market sport, so odds opened about $19, and it's already into 12 So obviously everyone else has looked at the form lines just like me, which is obviously public knowledge. Um, it's just going to be barrier one. Yeah. That's the only concern I have. Where's it sitting as long as map? Jamie can navigate that, I've got no other issues. Yeah. So I've got it uh, kind of fourth or fifth fastest out of the gates. Yeah, I think if it can park up just behind the speed and it it just it just needs to get the gaps. This is a big finishing horse. Um it and it can hit gaps, you've just got to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean about the car booking then cuz um obviously coming back from that big fall, how willing yeah. is she going to be to take the risks, you know? Obviously Joseph O'Brien doesn't bring horses out here that he doesn't think can win. Obviously car went on her form, line, form, she's one of the best 50-kilo jockeys in the land. That's probably why he's reached out to her and, and why K-Mac's on the other horse. So I think it's a ripping chance, um, and I would be going each way on it. Yep, yep, 100%. I will be. Yep, I love that. Um, now, in terms of first fours, you probably have to go wide in this, but I would be going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, and 18. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There's your Caulfield Cup preview. All right, lovely. That's good. We've got one at odds for that. Yeah. Now, obviously, we want to do Friday tips. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we've got a few there. So Mo race six tomorrow, number eight, Savoir Faré. Yeah, okay. We... Give me one second. That's all right. Yep, go on. Then we've got Mo Race 9, Toronto Terrier. Yeah, so the other thing in that race... Um, Which one? The Toronto Terrier race. Mm-hmm. Etienne. Yep. Um, what is it? It's, uh, it was pretty impressive last start at the Valley. Yeah, in BM70 grade. Yeah, so what... Um, Toronto, we were on. Did it have a spell? It did. Yes. So I went back and watched his jump outs. He's had some really good jump outs. Okay, yeah. And I think he's better suited over the 1200 meter sprint trips because I know they stretched him out 1400 meters to a mile. Now I think he's better suited over the shorter trips. And he won. So if you go back, remember how we put him in the black book ages ago? Yeah. Like when he first burst on the scene. So he won his maiden at Packenham over the 1,200 metres by about four lengths. Yeah. We got him when he won, in, won that race as well. Yeah, we did. We got him at about six bucks. Yeah. So 440 I'm getting here for him now, which is pretty good as well. So he opened it around. He opened up much longer than that. So I've taken, I've taken a bit longer than that. 
Oh. So, yeah, I've taken six bucks on him. So he's been, obviously been met with a bit of support. So obviously some pros have been involved. Oh, oh no, there wasn't many scratchings. Yeah. Yep, I like that. That's a good one. So I like him. And then a horse that I actually really like heading towards the Oaks in Packenham Race 1. They're going for an easy kill in a maiden to build, um, to get it, obviously break that maiden in Ethel Maud. So Packenham Race 1, Ethel Maud. Yep. Two bucks, generous. Yep. Very generous. That's going to shorten, you'd think, yeah? I think so. All right, cool. Now, was that it for Friday? That's it. All right, awesome, man. That was fantastic. Good chats. Let's hope we can get um, Valiant King home. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll talk on the weekend. Sounds good, mate. Take it easy. See ya.